right, let's open up our Bibles. There's uh, two parts in, in your Bible that you can open up to. The first one's going to be Psalm 124. And then if you would open your Bibles also to Romans chapter 8, I want you just to hold your place there. We'll get there in a minute, but we're going to be looking at those two chapters in the Bible uh, today as we talk about the Lord's providence and uh, his care for his people and also his creation. start off with uh, Psalm 124, and I'll read from verse 1. It says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the name, or excuse me, blessed be the Lord who has given us, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. So I, I, I saw this psalm and I thought it was, uh, it was really helpful for me in, in many ways as I uh, you know, started to prepare it. And even, even way beforehand, whenever I, I saw that I wanted to preach on this, this series of psalms, um, the reason why I, I started to dive into it while we were in John was because of basically what I went through after uh, my knee surgery and... Uh, was a painful experience, and I haven't really talked about it yet, um, unless we're just talking one-on-one, but as far as publicly or mentioning it or any of my sermons or anything like that, um, I haven't mentioned it, but it's, it's, it's funny that that's what led me to this uh, series of, of psalms that I've been preaching on. Um, my, the surgery was, uh, was a lot more uh, intense than we expected, and when I knew I was in trouble when I woke up after the surgery because it was supposed to be minor, and I woke up and I was in such pain in my leg. And then when I saw the actual cut and I saw how swollen my knee was and how long it was going to take after to recover from it, um, the first four days were, were horrible, uh, just painful, and the, the pain wouldn't stop. And it was through that experience that I came to realize um, how much people help you, and ultimately, how much the Lord helps you. Um, whenever I was going through that, uh, I, I noticed how much the help I needed of, of my wife. Praise God for her and everything that she helped me with. Um, but not only that, but my kids, uh, my extended family, um, and, and then also my church family. Everyone helped in some way. Uh, if you prayed for me, that was help that I needed. Uh, if you extended grace towards us and did something uh, for us, same thing that was help that we needed, but it, it made me realize that that um, you know as as a church member as a body of Christ uh, that we need each other and everyone needs help everyone and uh, that was a very humbling experience. But like I said, ultimately, what I started really thinking about was where our help comes from, and even though God uses everyone in here and, and people that I love and know everyone, he used them to come and help, help us when we needed it, to help me when I needed it. 
I know that it was God who was ultimately helping me. Okay? And as I started thinking about that, there was one night where I was laying in bed and just in pain and I couldn't sleep. And um, I was just thinking about this whole process and how in our deepest, darkest times that God does not leave us, but he helps us. And I started digging through the Psalms and, and I, just, I just wanted something to, to lift me up. And, and I, I started looking through these Psalms here and I recognized how all these Psalms, the one thing they have in common is they talk about God's help. And when I say all these Psalms, I mean from 120 to 134, uh, the, the songs of ascents that we've been basically uh, walking through. So all these psalms, are, are, they reflect how God helps uh, his, his church. And through that whole process, God showed me yet again that, number one, he's my greatest need, all right? And then number two, um, he's also my greatest help. And uh, that's our sermon summary for today, and that's true for the church. Uh, we need to recognize and know that, that the Lord is our greatest need, and he is also our greatest help. And uh, we, we come to realize that whenever we go through um, a tough time and whenever we go through something that no one can really help us with completely except for the Lord. Now, this psalm here reflects what the Lord has done for, um, for Israel in the past. But it's also a reminder of how God helps his church. And we'll get there in a minute. I'll explain how we can make that transition from uh, the nation of Israel to uh, the church, and that's why we're bringing in Romans eight, so that we can kind of tie these two together, and you can see, uh, you can see that that connection that uh, we have with the nation of Israel, with God's chosen people. Um, but as as far as a reminder is concerned, look, listen, we all need to remember that God, through His providence, helps us in all things. And that's extremely important. Uh, number one, you're never alone. You need to remember that if, if you are in Christ, you are never alone. Uh, I know sometimes in life you feel like that, and, and, and it may feel like that, but no matter what you go through, you're never alone. God is always with you. That is his covenant promise to us. And, and in fact, he's very near to us. The Bible talks about how he lives in us and that he will never abandon us and no one can take us out of his hand and no one can take us out of the Father's hand. Uh, you know, we, we are never alone, even though we trick our minds to think that sometimes. But God, through his providence, helps us in all things. Uh, we also, we also need, need to get out of the habit of, of, of remembering the bad things and forgetting about the good things. Because I, I think as, as humans, we do that. I know I, I do that a lot. I have a very detailed memory of when something bad happened to me or when someone wronged me. I remember a lot of details about that, but when it comes to uh, God's blessings upon my life, how quick do I forget about those things whenever I start to suffer? And we all tend to do that. We, we forget about how God has always been there for us, how God has always seen us through the things that we have gone through, and then we go through something tough, and we're just like, what am I going to do? And the answer is very simple. We're, we're going to look up, and we're going to pray, and we're going to trust, and we're going to obey and, and we're going to wait for God to move. That's the simple answer. But that's hard to do whenever we're going through it. So we need to remember the good things God has done as well. And I hope that this sermon helps us to do that. Uh, when we remember that God always helps us, and I mean always, it will cause us to walk in two ways. It will cause us to walk in humbleness 
and then also in confidence. Now, it almost seems like a, a strange dichotomy for, to mention those two in one sentence, uh, humbleness and confidence. They seem to conflict one another, but they don't. You see, because when we, uh, when we know that the Lord God is always there to help us, we'll walk in humbleness. Why? Because we know that all blessings come from the Lord. We know that we haven't achieved anything and that we ourselves, we're not, we're not our own person like we think we are. We have someone who is watching over us and caring for us. So it makes us walk in humbleness. It also makes us walk in confidence because we know that God will help us in all things. So, so you have these wonderful uh, two things that come together, humbleness and confidence. When you know and trust in the Lord that he's going to help you, you will walk in those two things. Let's take a closer look. Um, first thing in Psalm 124, uh, the very first two verses, extremely important for us to, uh, to see. Uh, actually, verses 1 through 5 we're going to go over, and then we'll go over the second part of the psalm. But starting with verses 1 and 2, it says this, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. That, that's how the psalm starts. Now, notice that it's said immediately, and then it's also repeated. That's very important. When, when something in Scripture is repeated for us, we need to really pay attention to it. Uh, it. It's really emphasizing the importance of what is being said. Okay, It's like when Jesus says in the, in the Gospels, truly, truly, I say unto you. It's, it's a repeat, so this is something important that's about to follow out of his mouth. And the same thing here, uh, we know that this is a psalm of David, and, and David starts off this psalm and says, if, I had not, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, dot, dot, dot. And then he repeats it. So very important for us to pay attention to. And the basic message is this. If it were not for the Lord. Okay, I'm just basically rephrasing it to the way we would say it today. If it were not for the Lord, dot, dot, dot. Now imagine, I, I think everyone in this room has said that at one point or another about their past. We've recognized that we have someone who is, who is greater than us, who has helped us, who has changed things for us, who has made the biggest difference. And if it were not for the Lord, um, no telling where we would be. And that's exactly what David is doing here. He's reflecting on his past and also, not only his past, but he's reflecting on the, the nation of Israel and their past. And he starts off by saying, if it were not for the Lord, dot, dot, dot. Uh, he mentions two things. If it were not for the Lord, in verses 2 and 3, he says that Israel's enemies could have killed them. That, that they would have been decimated, that they could have been killed. Now, this whole thing is hypothetical because David is, is looking at something that really didn't happen, but he's praising God through it. Just like we do all the time whenever we say, if it were not for the Lord, it, it could have ended up this way. And that's exactly what David is saying. Uh, Israel had enemies throughout its past, and if it were not for the Lord, they would have been killed by their enemies. Uh, secondly, if, um, if it were not for the Lord, Israel could have been swept away by a devastating uh, flood. Now, it's hard to kind of understand what this flood is in reference to. It may be a physical flood. Uh, it also may be a figurative flood. If you look at it from a figurative standpoint, well, what has Israel been through? in the past, uh, up until now, when David wrote this psalm. Well, they've been in slavery, they suffered famine, they've, been, they've suffered plagues, and they've had all kind of other disasters happening to them. Okay? 
So all these things happening to them could have been a figurative flood that would have just swept them over and would have just basically wiped them out like some other nations. And David is saying, if it were not for the Lord, Israel would not, have stand, would not stand today. Now, this is something we have to acknowledge. When we look back at Israel's past, the nation of Israel, we look in the Old Testament and we see where they started and we see their whole story throughout the Old Testament, we can easily say if it were not for the Lord, there's no way the nation of Israel would have, would have survived. They had everything going for them. They were like this, this, this spoiled child. They had everything going for them. Everything was set up. And yet they could not do their part. But yet we can't be so hard on them to say if we were there, we would have done differently because we wouldn't have done differently. Israel is a picture of us. It's a picture of us and, and, and God's patience with us and his mercy with us and the grace that he extends to us. We sin against God just like Israel sinned against God. And yet they remained. And the only reason why they remained was because of the Lord. And that's exactly what this psalm is getting across. See, the fact that the Lord was on their side, it reflects something very beautiful and, and something very special and something that we cannot forget about our own salvation. Uh, the fact that the Lord was on their side, it reflects the covenant promise that God made with Israel. Okay? And we, we see the covenant promise in several different areas. Um, if we just back up a couple of psalms, there's covenant language in Psalm 118. Verses 6 and 7. Listen to this. The Lord is on my side. That alone right there is covenant language. He is on my side. For the Lord to be on your side, that means that God had to do something. God had to do something. So with Israel, they, the Lord was on their side because he had grace and mercy with them. And he told them, I am on your side. I am your God. You are my people. So for the, for the Lord to be on your side is something very, very special. And because of that, look at Psalm 118. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. I will not fear. Why? Because there is no one greater than the Lord. And the Lord is on your side. He continues, what can man do to me? The Lord is on my side, get this, as my helper. As my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. That's how it ends. Now, those who love God, this is what the Psalm, uh, Psalm 118 and also uh, Psalm 124, this is what, what it says. Uh, this is what they are saying, in essence. Those who love God shall ultimately triumph over those who hate God because of God. Those who love God shall triumph over those who hate God because of God. In Psalm 124, the psalmist acknowledges that their triumph was because the Lord was their helper. Because if it weren't for the Lord, our enemies would have, would have had the best of us. Our enemies would have wiped us out. But because the Lord has made a covenant with us, we stand today that's extremely important 
Again, we cannot look over that. This is all the this all that we're talking about right now is the fulfillment. Excuse me, fulfillment of the covenant promise. The covenant promise is given in many different areas in the Old Testament. One that is very prominent is Exodus 19 verses 5 through 6. And I know you've heard this before where it says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That is the Lord speaking to Israel. Saying, look, we're going to make a covenant. Whenever a covenant is made, there's two parts to it. There's your part. There's God's part. God's part with God. God is completely faithful with his part. We've seen time and time again with our part. We're not so faithful. But yet God extends his grace and mercy. See, Israel was chosen by God to be his treasured possession and his holy nation. So because of God's help, we are told in Psalm 124 that the Lord prevented them from becoming prey. And we see that in verses uh, 6 through 8, at basically that completes the, uh, the psalm itself. But I love the conclusion of the psalm. The conclusion of the psalm is this. After he says that if it were not for the Lord, all right, if it were not for the Lord, then he basically says in verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, my prayer for you this morning is that this verse sticks in your head, sinks into your heart, and gives you hope and confidence for the rest of your life. That's what my hope is. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Like I said before, we've all said it before, if it were not for the Lord... What is being said in Psalm 124 about Israel is true about us today. And how can we make that connection? Well, first of all, we must acknowledge that if it were not for the Lord, you and I, we would not be more than conquerors, as the Bible says. Because the Bible says that in all things we are more than conquerors through our knowledge of him. Not just conquerors. We know what it means to be conquerors, but whatever it means to be more than that, that's what Christ makes us. If it were not for the Lord, we would not be that. Turn your Bibles to Romans 8. This is where, this is where it gets good. I hope it's been good so far. This is where it gets really good. So God's help does not stand with the nation of Israel. Okay, That's one thing that we have to understand all this is being spoken about the nation of Israel. They're God's chosen people. He chose them, that nation out of all the other nations to show his goodness and so that he could have glory, receive glory and, and, and show his care for that nation. This is what we must understand. God's help does not stand or does not sit with the nation of Israel, but with the true Israel, and that is the church. That's what we must understand, and that's the connection that is being made. All these promises that you see to the nation of Israel, what it's really saying in the Old Testament is these are promises to his church. That is what is going on. Because if we acknowledge that the cornerstone of the church is Christ, and we must acknowledge that because that's what the Bible says, anyone who has set his faith on Christ is saved by grace through faith and is saved from God's wrath. 
So all these blessings that belong to, uh, to Israel, really and truly, they not only belong to Israel, but they belong to you and I because we have been grafted in. We have joined his church. We are part of those promises. And so when we read these things in the Old Testament, it should bring joy to our heart, knowing that God is not only speaking to Israel, but really and truly he's speaking to us as his church. And these promises, they do apply to us. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And when you look at uh, Romans 8 and you tie it together with Psalm 124, um, there is a, a clear distinction of what God has done for us. When I talk about when God has you know, set us apart and, and we are saved uh, when we believe in Christ, we are saved from God's wrath, listen to what Romans 8.1 says. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The word condemnation is very important here. It speaks of God's judgment. It's, it's not positive, it's negative. It speaks of God's judgment, the, the full act of his judgment. And the Bible is saying here, there is no judgment on those who believe in Christ. What it's basically saying is that those who believe in Christ, the penalty of their sins have been wiped away. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now look, this is what we have to see. When we look at Psalm 124 and we look at that language about if it were not for the Lord, uh, Israel's enemies would have wiped them out. This is the connection that we make with Psalm 124. God's greatest help to us is that he saved us from our greatest enemy. You know who our greatest enemy is? Sin. He saved us from sin that leads to death. So just like uh, in Psalm 124 where David is celebrating the Lord's goodness and he's saying if it were not for the Lord, the nation of Israel would have been wiped out by their enemies We need to say the same thing and and celebrate the same thing. If it were not for the Lord, sin, our greatest enemy, would have wiped us out. But the Lord intervened. He did something about it. Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, continue the conversation. Listen to this. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Did you catch that? There is the law of spirit of life. That law has set us free, and we are set free in Christ. From what? The law of sin and death. Now listen, this is how God did this for us. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. So Psalm 124 talks about how the nation of Israel, how they survived and and how their enemies didn't get the best of them. We, We made that connection already. Our greatest enemy is sin and we should be celebrating the fact that sin did not get the best of us. How did that happen? Because God sent his son. He sent his son to live according to the law. Why? Because we could not. We could not live according to the law. Why? Because our flesh is weak. And we are so concerned about our flesh that we fail obeying, we fail to obey God because we just want to follow our flesh. But God sent his son 
in the likeness of man. That means he sent his son in human form to do what we could not do, to live according to the law perfectly. He is the one who did what we could not do, so God provided that for us. If it were not for the Lord, we would not have the salvation we have. Why? Because nobody in here is perfect. The Bible says only one, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's why we are called to place our faith in him. It's not like God said, okay, well, you know what? These people have sinned, and I'm just going to let this sin run rampant, and I'm just not going to do anything about it. No, God did something about it. He did something about it on the cross. But the thing is, is that we were the ones who belonged on the cross and we were taken off and Christ was put on. God did something about it, but it just didn't happen to us. It happened to our Savior, our perfect sacrifice. It says he condemned sin in the flesh. Listen to this out of Romans 8, 2 through 4. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, if it were not for the Lord, your greatest enemy, my greatest enemy, sin, would have killed us both physically and spiritually. But the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you are in Christ today, God's greatest help to you is not what you will receive. I think that's really important for us to remember that. It's not about what you are going to receive in this life or the next. It's not about what you are going to receive. God's greatest help to you is what you have already received by grace through faith in Christ. That is, that is our greatest help. Now, I'm spending a lot of time here because this, this matters in how we live from here on out. What I'm talking about right now, it matters tremendously on how you are going to trust the Lord with your everyday life and your future. We must acknowledge that God has already helped us. He has helped us greatly by saving us. This was our greatest need. God has already taken care of that. In Romans 8, verses 28 through 30, it says this, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Listen. It's all been taken care of. That's what Romans 8, 28 through 30 is saying. God has not only saved you here and now, but it all has been determined and taken care of. What God has started in you, he will carry it to completion. That is the promise that you have. That is the covenant promise that you have from God as the church. If it were not for the Lord, we would not have that. So 
The thing is this, don't look to what you think God owes you. Don't make that mistake. Because I've already told you that God has helped you with your greatest need. So don't look to what God owes you, but praise him for what he has already graciously given you. If all that you have is salvation, then you are extremely blessed. So whatever it is that we are going through today, and look, this is difficult to say and it's difficult to process, but if if we are going through a, a, a terrible sickness, if we are going through terrible physical, emotional pain, if we are just, I mean, just deep in the darkest valley right now in our lives, listen, if you are in Christ, you are still blessed. See, that's, that's the, frame of, the frame of mind I had to get into whenever I was going through some of this stuff. I was, I was hurting physically, and that led to other things. And then I started feeling sorry for myself, and I started getting mad. And it just started this whole process. And I had to remember, God has already helped me tremendously by saving me. If, if I have to suffer like this for the rest of my life, Praise be his name. If I don't, if he relieves this pain, then praise be to his name. That's where we have to get mentally and spiritually. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it, it's easy, and it's not going to happen overnight. But as we are sanctified by the Lord, that's where we end up. See, but there are other things in this world that if we listen to, They're going to lead us astray. The prosperity gospel, it it distorts this truth. And it says what God did for you in salvation, well, that's just the beginning. And there are many more blessings to follow. And it kind of dismisses what God, the greatness of what God has done for you when he saved you. Remember, that is the greatest need you had. And the Lord fulfilled that need. The prosperity gospel says, no, 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 you are in charge of God You just have to have, if you have enough faith, you are in charge of God and you tell God what to do. And you use use the name of God to get what you want from God. That That is no gospel at all. We need to praise God for what he's done. So now that we, now that we've acknowledged that God has helped us with our greatest need, now what about the everyday stuff? Well, listen to this. Once we recognize that salvation is God's greatest help to us, then we will have assurance and hope in all things. I mean, basically, from from the point that you were saved, from that point forward, we should be good. Honestly, we should be good mentally, spiritually, physically. We should always come back to that point that, yes, God saved me. No matter how bad life is right now, no matter what we're going through, uh, trouble, even even just the everyday trouble, the trouble in your marriage, the trouble with your kids, uh, trouble with with money, trouble with friendships, trouble at work, trouble at church. It it should all if we start to feel sorry for us where we're at, we should just go back to where God saved us and say, at least I'm not that. And God has already helped me enough by saving me for from who I was. See, Romans 8, verses 31 to 32 say this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, 
That's covenant language again. It's the same thing in the Old Testament as God is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? How many times do we actually live out that verse in our everyday lives? I'll be the first one to say not many. Because the first thing that, that, that happens is something negative happens, trouble comes in, and it's like we forget that God is on our side. The God who created all things, who is sovereign over all things, including our lives. And we say, we trust you, Lord, with everything. We sing about it here. And we sing about how we're going to follow him and how we're going to love him and how we're going to trust him and how we're going to obey him through anything and everything. And one little thing happens and we fall apart. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. See, see the importance that's placed on that? Now listen to what comes after. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The Bible acknowledges that God, the greatest help that God has given us is saving us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God is, we know he is sovereign. We know that he is on our side. We need to walk in humbleness and confidence, knowing that no matter what we go through, it's going to be okay. See, God in his providence has graciously and will continue to graciously give us all things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when I say well, he will give us all things, he will give us those things that he has determined that we need. He will give us those things. He will not abandon you. We can rest assured that God governs our lives by his providence and he provides us for what we need when we need it. One of my favorite passages in the Bible comes out of 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, where it talks about his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I love how it says that because what else is there? There's life and godliness and God in his power has given us everything we need for that. We have no other need. God has saved us eternally and he provides for us and he will do so eternally and he has done this he has done this through Christ so all these wonderful and precious and very great promises that he has given to us in the bible we can know and have hope that God will come through on his part now we'll end with this think about who you are today Think about who you are today. Like at, at this moment, think about who you are. If it were not for the grace of God, you would not be who you are. Yeah, sure, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And that's true for all of us. We are all a working progress. But if you have faith in Christ, the only way you got there was because God led you there. So if it were not for the Lord, you would not be who you are. Also think about what you have. 
If it were not for the Lord, you would not have what you have. See, if it were not for the Lord, those blessings would not be present in your life today. Now, once we think about that, then we, the next thing to think about is, man, God has really blessed me. I'm not lost like I used to be. My needs are taken care of. He has truly blessed me. What greater thing should I ask for? What need is it? What, what need do I have right now that I truly, truly, completely have to have? And how, how did I get here? How did I get to the point where I believed in him? Once we, we look at all this stuff and, and we see how God has blessed us and how he is moving in us, we recognize that in this whole process, we have been completely unfaithful to him. We have, we have not obeyed the law. We have sinned against him. And even after we were saved, we continue to sin against him. And it should make us celebrate even more that even though we have sinned against him and even though we have been unfaithful to him and even though we have all these blessings in our lives, the only reason why we have them is because Christ has been faithful to us. God has been completely faithful to us. I think these are things that we do not think about very often. I don't know what, I think if I'm speaking for myself, um, I think a lot of times what goes through my mind are the things that I'm dealing with, the here and now, the trouble, the, the things I'm having to, you know, basically put out fires here and there. That's what's going through my mind. I need to remember God's covenant promise to his church that no matter what, He's going to be by our side. No matter what, our greatest needs are going to be met. I think it's good timing for this sermon because you know, we talk about the new year and we talk about all this opportunity that's ahead for us and what we want to do, what we want to have, what we want to achieve. Hey, look, it's great. It's great to have ambition, but don't lose sight of what God has already done for you. See, we have been completely unfaithful to him. He's been completely faithful to us. And the only way that works is because we have placed our faith in the one who has been completely faithful to him. That is Jesus Christ. So as we reflect on Psalm 124, let's, let's rejoice. You see, we can rejoice because when we read Psalm 124, we can say the same thing about our lives because we are the church. That covenant promise is transferred to us. So we need to rejoice that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. As you go forward from this point on, you remember that verse 8 and 124. That's extremely important to you. Especially when we are told in the New Testament by our Lord and Savior that in this, in this world we will have trouble. But we are also told, take, take it one day at a time. Why? Because in this world we have trouble. Take it one day at a time. Because he has overcome the world. And tomorrow, we know tomorrow is in his hands.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, this, uh, this sermon.